Webster defines harmony as the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords and chord progressions having a pleasing effect. But here at The Crossing, we know there's much more to harmony than that. So settle in as Miss Melanie Cannon joins us on today's show. She's the daughter of a legend, she sings with legends, and she is quite the legend herself. She's here to tell it like it is before things get back like they were. So, Cal, let's start 2021 on a good note. You see what I did there? Harmony note. All right, take it away, Cal. And broadcasting once again from the Northeast Tower of Pete's Castle in beautiful downtown South Coal Mountain. This is Coal Mountain Cal, along with my brother Chris Cheeto Cheatham, producer Steve Thomason, the good doctor, bringing you another stellar episode of The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Chris? Our last show of 2020. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're at the end of this ride and uh, Lord help us, 2021 is going to be good. I know well, it. We've been very blessed. Cal and I have been very blessed with this with this show because we've had a good year. We've had a we've, we've had actually good, had a good yes, year guess, as far yeah. as the uh, the crossing because folks have been um, maybe a little bit more available than they uh, than than they maybe have in the past. And I think today is uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why we got so lucky to have our that's next right. guest. Well, let me tell you about our guest. Uh, me and you both big Jamie Johnson fans. True that. And I hadn't seen him live in several years. And some Athens. Of the, yeah. We'll talk about that later. The other, <laughs> the other day, I was scrolling through, and I'm like, well, Jamie's got this girl out on tour with him singing all the time. And I got to look, and I said, boy, she sounds good. And I was like, she sounds familiar. And then I'm like, he's got the horn section. He's got the big old ensemble going with him from the last time I seen him. So I did some research, and I, I searched who is Jamie Johnson's backup singer. Melanie Cannon. So, folks, that's who we got tonight. Chris, Melanie Cannon is a Hi, producer's y'all. daughter. Hey, Melanie. <laughs> Checking in tonight from Goodlettsville, Tennessee, I do believe. Yes, sir. How are things there in Tennessee? Y'all got jogging any snow this past week? You know what? There was a little sprinkling over here on my little ridge. I live up on a ridge top on you know, a little line outside of town. and it's a, It was a little snowy for a minute, but not as much as they got on the other side of town. Yeah, we it got- was pretty. We got a little dust in here. It got cold as a witch's. Well, you know, it got a little yeah. cold. Yeah. <laughs> know all about those. Yeah. <laughs> Nashville got a lot of this weekend. Nashville's been. Yeah, Na- been Nash- yeah. Nashville's had a troubled week. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long week, y'all. Long weekend for sure. It's been a long year. It's been a long year, and I and I know I, I know a lot of people that are really having good moments like you guys because y'all get to have some really cool things happen. And but you know we're it's 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 because we're struggling and. You know we're all we're all home you know and and we're this the stuff doing stuff like this like talking to y'all tonight i mean that shoot i'm excited to talk to y'all i just i love connecting with people again you know so let's get started a little bit yeah. uh grew up in nashville yep actually uh out west of town outside in a little town called kingston springs is where i grew up gotcha um cheatham county by golly that's what we say but uh it's um you know just uh we were surrounded by woods and songwriters and and really cool singers and stuff and you know just it's what 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 would what we did i didn't even know it was weird you know so you grew up in cheatham county yo yeah named I, after I'm my gra- <laughs> named after my great great grandfather general benjamin f cheatham 
No way. Are you kidding me right Dead now? That's serious. This he is was so, the, this is so 2020. <laughs> he was. Look. He, okay. he it makes was, sense because he, this is the most redneck place on yeah. the planet. Well, so, yeah, that's hey, true. Now, I know we're kindred spirits now. Yeah. Well, he. Uh, I think he ended up being the postmaster or something yeah. like that in Tennessee. And, uh, yeah. And, and then he, uh, yeah, they ended up naming a county after him. Well, that dang. is insane. I had no idea. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my home. That's That's what I call home. Well, he had a heck of a mustache. You ever want to give him a good Google? Um, get them handlebars you can grab a hold of. Put that butch wax on there. So your daddy is Buddy Cannon. Yes, he is. He's a. I've he's always heard about Buddy Cannon, and and even here lately, I've done a lot more research on him. And I've even yeah. heard him on a couple of podcasts. But uh, yeah, you grew up. It was, I'm sure it was just uh, normal to you, though. People coming in and out and studio stuff, and yeah. I mean, my, but really the earliest, you know, musical memories I have are backstage at the Opry and, you know, taking Daddy to the bus when he was leaving. He'd be leaving with Mel Tillis. That's the first gig I remember, like, taking him to the bus. And, you know, I was five five years old, and I just remember, all I, all I knew is I wanted to go with my dad. And yeah. I didn't even know music was at the other end of that trip. You know, I didn't know that when that door closed and the wheels rolled where they were going, you know. But I just wanted to be with him. You know, I felt like I found my place with those people, even when I was a little kid. And, uh, you know, boys, has it ever come full circle these days? <laughs> so were you, uh, I know you were musically inclined, but I'm, did you play any instruments or stuff growing up? You know what? It's, it's funny because, uh, you know, Daddy Daddy was pretty wild. And, and, and he's been sober now since I was 16. But I'm the baby of three girls. So I had a 21-year-old sister when he got sober, too. So he missed a lot of years. And, right. and uh, even though the, the way that, I always tell my mama, she, you know, I say well, I was raised by songwriters and wolves and one angel of a mother because Lord knows she held us all together somehow. But she would not let them drink and, and do drugs and party at our house. Our house was like a safe place and a, and a resting spot for these weary people that were, you know, out on a, on a collision course with the devil, you know. <laughs> and she would give them a place to come and they would sleep or eat or, you know, it was like all the things that they needed to do to get back to being Normal. somewhat of a, you know, their the family man or to get back home again or whatever they needed they could come there and rest and my mom always took them in being around these um uh, musical gypsies we'll say i mean that, that, yeah. i'm assuming that turns you on to to music i mean it's how could it not yeah right and what and cal had asked you know did you what was there any instruments that you picked up at no, an age not a one because i didn't have to i mean i'm surrounded by these people and still today i mean i play a little guitar now just to like suit me when i'm alone but i don't ever i would never say i'm a picker ever because i my whole life i've been surrounded by them and the most gifted talented beautiful creatures ever to ever make music and it's like how do you you know i know my place in their world is as a singer and if i want to go in there and hold my ground and in, in, in this music world this this man's world whatever this place is then i'm gonna have to do what i'm good at and know what that is and people ask me all the time are you a songwriter well i write but my sister is a songwriter and my daddy wrote set him up joe you know like i don't call myself the songwriter no i'm not really that you know i'm a singer but we all do it we do a little all of it you know it's just it's in our it's who we are we are music We're, we don't make it and see it's what we are you know 
you and Chris are kindred spirits because he plays a guitar in our band. We don't consider him a picker either. So well, y'all, I mean, I mean y'all I are like to separated at birth. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, I know my place. He's used to it. I know yep. my place. No, he's actually I, an I, exceptional just, player. I'm the face of the band, and uh, we know that. Uh, we know <laughs> that. You know, <laughs> you know, we we've we've always kind of if you get the ladies on the dance floor, you know, you've you've done, you got, your, job. You've done your job and had a good gig. You know, the, the guys right. will follow. Uh, it's always ladies' night. And, oh, hey, um, hey, it's a ladies' night and I, for me, too. I mean, that's what you want. You want them all out there. It don't matter. <laughs> Come on. You got to yeah. have them all dancing. So you, you've been, you, you were engulfed in music you're, you're from, a, from an early age, and, and we know that you, you, already, you were being recorded as a singer even into your early teens. Isn't that right? Yeah. I, was, I think I, the first time I like, got paid for a session, I was 13. And, and it's crazy. It's such a weird world to look back on today, all these years later. But it's like at that session, I, it was uh, it wasn't even my dad's session. Dean hired me, Dean Dillon, and it was Dean Dillon, Frank Dykus, Hank Cochran, and and I think no, it was those three, I believe. And so they all three had songs, but Dean had hired me, so I went in and I sang three songs, my first demo ever, and and it's so bizarre because in the middle of the whole mix of the day, I'm just in there hanging out with the same people I know. You know, I mean, these are daddy's buddies. I have no clue. None of them are that cool, except Dean. Dean was always that cool. Sorry, I'm not going to lie. He was always cool. But I didn't know. You know, I didn't know what was really happening. So, But uh, Kenny Chesney, of all people, waltz in the door, new to town with this other man that was a Jim Bino, who worked for Opryland Music Group at the time, and worked with Dean and all those guys, all the writers. And he brought Kenny into the session, and I was just walking around, talking. You know, Susie Cochran just texted me, which is Hank Cochran's. Uh, why <laughs> which is funny my phone just beeped sorry that's okay but, um, so but I mean it's like I, I was in that session singing and I would go out and sit down and you know just do what kids do at 13 nothing and uh, Kenny finally walked over to me and said you have no idea what's going on around you right now like you don't know what's happening and I'm like what are you talking about kid and he's like these people they're like they're like the magic people and I mean I really didn't know I you're had like no it idea. happens all the time I'm used to it well, I mean, it just wasn't ever weird, you know? Like, you know, Vern was the first person who, like, told my daddy. You know, Vern Gosden was, you know, he, he. we always laugh and say that Vern always was, you know, at our house having dinner because he never had a wife that was old enough to cook. So <laughs> my mom had to feed him at all times because none of them knew how to cook. So, you know, that whichever wife he was with at the time would, you know, come over for dinner about three or four nights a week. And, uh, and me and daddy went to breakfast with him a lot too. And, but he would come and the first, the first time that my dad really ever sat down and sang with me, I was about 10 or 11 and Vern said, buddy, do you not listen to that kid singing? Like I would sing my heart out downstairs and I wanted dad to hear, I guess, you know, like we, we could have, he had like all the reel to reels and record players and anything that you wanted to listen to would play amps, microphones, we could do anything, but I mean, I would sit down there and sing my heart out, and Dad never paid attention because he was, you know, drinking and drugging still. And Vern just had a, a moment one day, and he was like, bring her up here. Let's sing some songs. And they literally, the first night, we, Daddy says it's probably three or four hours that we sang, but we sang Golden Rings. That was the only song we sang. They had to teach me the words, had to write them down for me. I didn't know them. And we sang it for like three or four hours. And, and that night, literally, Vern was like, I'm going to teach you like how important harmony singing is and i said okay you know i'm, I'm a little 10 11 year old kid and i was like okay let's go you know and sure enough that three or four hours later it i understood what he meant and i could follow him to the moon or to the to hell i'd go with him 
You know, I knew I could do it. And I still, to this day, I change parts all the time today in Jamie's band. And it, because of what Vern taught me that day. So what was the first track w- that we w- we could hear you on that's been recorded? Um, well, the, see, that was a demo. The first ones were demos. And and they were all three cut. Um, but they were not ever hits or anything. But they were all rec- album cuts for people. Mm-hmm. But then uh, the first like the first album cut that I remember being on was Cry Cry Darling with Sammy Kershaw. Okay. On one of his first, you know, first two or three records that he did with Daddy. Because Daddy did all of his first, you know, like I think they had like 11, 12, 13 number ones in a row that Daddy did with him, you know, several records. And man, those are talk about records of my lifetime. Whew, the soundtrack so, of my life right there. So you were, um, when you were, if you, um, you just mentioned Sammy Kershaw and just trying to date the situation, you're probably in your yep. late teens at that point? Um, I think I might have just been out of high school or, right, or about to be out of high school. You know, I think I was probably 18-ish, 17, 18. So you're jamming with Sleeman Kershaw. You've got I mean, Vern Godston. Sammy was sitting on our back porch, so it wasn't weird. You, know? I mean, you, got, you I, have Vern Godston. Shania Swain lived with, him, lived with us my senior year of high school. Shania lived in my house. Like, we, like her and her boyfriend moved from Canada to try to make it in Nashville and lived with us. <laughs> you know, it was like, so none of it was weird. It just was... And looking back, it's bizarre as hell, but it wasn't that weird. So, with all that going on, why in the world you go in the army? Because <laughs> uh, my daddy decided to get sober when I was sixteen, yeah. and wanted to start like paying attention. And I was already wild as a buck myself. Yeah, and I'd been through. I'd had a lot of childhood stuff. You know, I had a lot of suicide around me from six years old on, and and uh, you know, luckily. I know, I know this was God's plan because none of us had control over it. But, you know, my daddy, if, I, if I'd have lost him, I don't know what would have happened to me. I don't yeah. think I'd have been okay. And uh, he was the my last hope of somebody staying for me, you know. And it's like the things that happened were, you know, my grandpa, who was my favorite person because my dad was gone, killed himself. And then I had a, one of my best friends got killed in a car accident when I was 11. And then at 16, my, you know, our other best friend killed himself. So it's like all these traumas that I never, and nobody ever said, Hey kid, this wasn't your fault. You know? So I just went through life kind of thinking that like I wasn't good enough for anybody to want to hang out for. And from an early age, you know, and it went, I I listened to sad songs from when I was little bitty and, and they were my favorites and I didn't know why I loved them and why I identified and felt them so much. And I didn't, you know, the older I got, the more I realized that I was just kind of a sad kid. I'd you know, it was like, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of, you know, um, a lot of people going, you know, this ain't your fault. Keep moving on, kid. Right. This ain't on you. You know, these are people that are not okay, you know. That's some and heavy baggage I had the conversation told. with my mom recently, actually. Like, if you would have just said that one thing, like, this wasn't about you. You know, they didn't do it because they didn't love you, you know. Because it just made me feel weird, and it, it, it about killed me. It about killed me in my 30s. Right. I didn't commit suicide, but I, I was on a crash course with it. So you just kind of have brought yourself to a come to Jesus moment yourself, and just and you put yourself the in the army. Yeah, I couldn't stay around. That's why I joined the army. I joined the army because I knew Daddy even tried to talk me into going to Austin, and I said, "Daddy, I'll be drunk in a ditch. I can't. I can't do that. I didn't have the discipline. I didn't have the self esteem. I needed somebody to tell me what to do for a minute." Yeah, well, by God, you found it with the army. <laughs> well, hey. Yeah. And then I show up there, you know, like, oh, wait a minute. Um, this might not have been what I was talking about. <laughs> but, but it, you know what? It changed my life. It did. It, it, I, I learned respect for authority. And that means authority in any way, you know, whether it be your parents or your boss 
or your, you know, the cops or the government. I mean, whoever. I learned you respect authority. They may not be right, but you can't you can't win trying to go at them. You've got to respect what they're saying. You listen. You you learn. I learned a whole lot about who I needed to be, and I wasn't yet. But I, it really changed my life. How, how many years did you spend in the army? Oh, okay. Well, I, I joined for five. Right. And I broke my hip the first year, and so it was in a freak, stupid running accident, and. My, my One of my dearest friends in my life, Tanya Wynn, I, I call her that we're Crockett and Tubbs because of our drill sergeants gave us a hard time at all times. Said we thought we were cooler than Miami Vice yeah. and called us Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> so, but me and me and Wynn are still, you know, dear friends now. And like she was there the day that I got hurt and it was nothing. We were running in formation and I literally tripped and fell and uh, with a, I tripped up with another girl running road guard is what it was called, which is a whole other thing. But um, we were running in formation, and we got tangled up, and I literally landed on my hip and fractured it and broke it. And so, yeah, so there was a recovery time, I guess, and you just become discharged from the Army. Well, they, I mean, I, I, I didn't want to come home. I followed them to stay. And, yeah. You know, but I was I was training to be um, – okay, go ahead and laugh. You can laugh now. <laughs> I was training to be an MP. So you laughed already. I heard you. He laughs but, all the well, time. Yeah, I mean, I laughed. So yeah, we you... all were MPs. And <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I was a cop. I was the popo. I was, which is bizarre. But, uh, um, I, I mean, I went from being a hoodlum kid to, like, okay, let me get out of here and find something that's interesting, which is, well, I could probably, like, figure out how to handle hoodlums like me. That sounds easy enough. Yeah. But, and I, you know, broke my hip that first year, and everybody else kept going. And, you know, Wynn Win was in for five years, too, and went on, and we, you know, didn't lose touch ever. But it, it was years until we saw each other again. Folks, we're on an incredible journey with Miss Melanie Cannon, and we have yet to barely scratch the surface, I'm sure. And I'm sure she's got a lot more stories we're going to learn from, but it is time to pay some bills. We're going to let producer Steve. Steve, let's take us out with, uh, I think Melanie's got a, uh, ver- talking about Vern Gosden, she's got a version of a Vern Gosden song she cut on one of her solo albums called Set em Up, Joe, that I think most of our folks are going to be familiar with. We'll go out with that. We'll take a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back for the next segment with Melanie Cannon. You're listening to The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. They got a vintage Victrola 1951 Full of my favorite records that I grew up on They got all Hank and Lefty and there's B-24 Set them up, Joe Walking the floor, set him up, Joe. Play walking the floor. I'm gonna spend the night like every night before. Playing ET, I'm gonna play it some more. I gotta have a shot of them old troubadours. Set him up, Joe. Play walking the floor. Set him up, Joe. Hey, this is Joe Bonzel with the Oak Ridge Boys, and you're listening to Chris and Cal, along with producer Steve. This is The Crossing, where the music meets memories. We're not sure what is more famous, the Bully Burgers or the Sirene. Of course, we're talking about the Dawsonville Pooh Room, located on Bill Elliott Street in Dawsonville. Whether you want to stop by for a game of pool or enjoy one of those world-famous bully burgers, be sure to take a gander at all the photos and news clippings from racing history in Dawson County. From dirt tracks to super speedways, it's all captured on the walls of the pool room. 
dine or take out. That's a Dawsonville Pooh Room, where the siren sounds on every Elliott win. You probably haven't checked the propane tank lately. It's when the pilot light goes out that you finally notice, right? And now you're in a bind. Who do you call? Mills Fuel Service right now. Mills Fuel has provided North Georgia with fast, courteous service and clean propane for over 50 years. So don't let the tank hit rock bottom. Call Mills today, 706-265-3394. Three locations to serve you coming Dawsonville and Dahlonega online at millsfuelservice.com. Buell Martin Barbershop is your one-stop barber for all your men's grooming needs. Stop in for that Buell special. You'll get a straight razor shave and a haircut topped off with your choice of either witch hazel or vitalis. And for all you pickers out there, Buell stocks some strings and picks for them guitars and banjos. That's Bill Martin Barbershop on Highway 9 in South Coal Mountain. If you see Piedmont, you done gone too far. How much I would miss you If we should ever part Cry, cry, darling That's all I do And that was Sammy Kershaw with Miss Melanie Cannon, our special guest tonight, singing backup vocals with him. What was the name of that song again, Melanie? That one's called Cry Cry Darling. Cry Cry Darling. Oh, Sammy. Yep, and I cannot right now off the top of my head remember. It's an old bluegrass song. And so Buddy produced that, your father. Yes, sir. Yep, he sure did. Give us a little a checklist of people he has produced over time that you can think of right off the top of your oh, head. Oh, my word, law. Well, you know, the production stuff didn't come in until, um, you know, when I was a teenager. Right. Um, his first production act that was ever, you know, a true act was Sammy Kershaw. And uh, it's funny because, you know, growing up through the through the years, I mean, like, you know, from the time he was getting on that bus with Mel, he, Mel finally, after, you know, several you know months of him being out on the road with him, he had a... Uh, he, he's played, you know, somebody had played him some songs that daddy'd written and he cut them. You know, it was like he cut, cut like two or three of daddy's songs. And he came back to dad and said, you know, what are you doing out here? And he said, well, I got to work. You know, like I'm, he said, well, you know, you need to go to Nashville and be a songwriter. And daddy's like, I can't, I can't, you know, I got to have money. And, you know, I got a family. And Mel said, well, you're fired then. <laughs> he's going to make him like, go one way or the other. You know, that's awesome. And he said, no, you're fired. He said, but I'll hire you at the publishing company. He said, now you write for me. And he said, go there and work for me. And so that's where Daddy got into the publishing world. And he went through the publishing world into Mercury, into Mercury Records. And that's where the Kershaw thing, he was working under Hell Shed and doing A&R for him. And that's where they signed, Daddy signed from uh, Kershaw to Billy Ray Cyrus to the Kentucky Headhunters, Shania Twain. I mean, like all those people were all signed under Dad. And, you know, those, like, those are the ones that Toby Keith, you know, 
they they were all under under the time that my dad was there signing the artists. So, you know, the the Sammy project truly, honest to goodness, the only reason he got to do it is because Harold Chud didn't really like Sammy very much, and just thought he was a jerk or something. You know, just didn't think he was very nice. And so Daddy and Sammy got along great. And so Daddy's like, shoot, yeah, he's one of the best singers I've ever heard. So Daddy got to do that, you know, which that led into a duet with Jones, George Jones. And then Daddy got to do records with Jones after that because he loved working with him so much. But he'd never done any Jones records till then. So it, his production stuff went from there, really, from, from Sammy and, and Harold Shedd not letting him produce anybody until Sammy came along and he just didn't want to do it. Now, so was, this, was this when Sammy Kershaw was uh, married to Lori Morgan? Um, no, that was, that was, no, he was married, he was still married, um, he was married, uh, this was, he was married to his second wife at this time, but it's also, the, um, he's got two older children, and then he's got three, um, uh, younger, younger ones, and so he's, um, you know, was married to a girl, a lady named Kim, he's still dear friends of all of ours now, even her and Sam are still really great friends, but, um, so they, they've got a whole, you know, there's five of kids between all of them, and, uh, so he was married to Kim then, but, he did go on to marry Lori. Yeah. But that was after Daddy stopped working with him, too, though. So you but, wound uh, up and Daddy came... Daddy went and did that record, him and Nora. Nora Wilson? Yep, Nora Wilson. Oh, dude, yeah. I had a I had a crush on Lori Morgan in the 90s. Oh, I think everybody did. Oh. I might have had a little bit of one. I, <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I can't tell. So, you, so at, at this... At this point, you're kind of coming back around full circle. You're coming back into Nashville, correct? Well, I'm telling you, it's been, you know, like back in the day when I was, when Daddy did go to work with Mel, I'd get to go to work with him in the summertime. And that's, you know, I, I, I am, from the time I was born, I've been just like my dad. I had two blonde-headed sisters, and here comes this young kid that they didn't really plan on having that was not only looked just like my daddy, I had a head full of black hair when I was born. I acted like him from day one. <laughs> and so I just wanted to be with him. You know, like from the time on that, when him getting on that bus, I wanted to go. And not because I knew what they were going to I didn't really know what was happening. Hell, music was everywhere I was. It was, I wanted, I felt a part of it from the time I was little. And I, it was just, had the you know, gypsy it was like in a, you. your souls kind of are what they are. And, you know, we age through the years body-wise, but our souls are always going to be the same. And I was always kindred with those people. And so I went from that to going to work with him as much as I could when he was working as a publishing company, which I probably should have never been there because they were wild as bucks. Mm -hmm. But I got to watch Pam Tillis working as a teenager. And she was a, like a teen, late teens, early 20s, had a kid on her hip was writing, producing, playing. Like, I was, I didn't even know I wanted to sing. And I was like, I want to be her. Like, I'm going to do that. Like, she's badass. You know, like, whatever she is, I'm going to be her. And so it just, and then it, like, I, but it was just the people around me. I started recognizing, like, oh, okay, wait a minute. It is about the music. The music is what matters to, like, what is bringing me and drawing me in, you know. But I was always kindred to them. So were you always. getting a lot of uh, studio calls at this point? Or well, you know, that, that when I was a teenager, when it started, I was 13 the first time I sang. And then my sister Marla became a writer. She went to nursing school after high school and uh, and then um, started writing songs. And she, she had always written poems. She's one of the best writers this town has. I mean, one of the best, best writers, not just chick writers. But, I mean, though she's the epitome of woman writer. But she's just overall one of the best. And uh, she started doing stuff and the friends that I was beating through the, you know, the, the, my 19, 20, 20, you know, 21 year is all the people I'm friends with today. Jamie, 
you know, T.W. Cargill, who's an engineer in town, who also is Jamie's front of house and has run all, done all Jamie stuff engineer-wise all through the years. 20 years now we've been friends. T.W. and I a little bit longer than that. But, you know, the songwriters, Marla wrote a song called The Fool for Leanne Womack. And I started doing demos for Marla. I did the demo for that song before it was, you know, before Leanne got to cut it. I'm the one that went in and sang it for her. And it was Marla and, and these two guys that we're still friends with today, you know. But I was 18 or 19 years old when they did that. I was telling and, Chris earlier how well, I was asking you if you were actually on uh, singing with Leanne on the studio cut because it sounded so close to your voices. But you said you just you know, did it's the so demo. It's so funny because we've not sang together until these last several years. Really? Because we've always run, you know, she's always been on the road and I've never been on the road till now. And I've always been a studio musician because I chose to be a mom when I was 20. And, you know, I was a young, un unmarried woman having a kid. And I knew then that, like, okay, how is this music thing going to work? You know, like, what am I going to do now? Because I was a singer, and that's what I did. But I, I knew I couldn't just leave my kid. And, you know, I still worked and was still doing some stuff. I traveled with Craig Morgan for a while when he first started. And he grew, he was my neighbor growing up, by the way. I've known him since I was six. So... <laughs> You know, Craig, I, I literally, when he got his record deal, he's like, you're going on the road, you know. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and, I, you know, I had a little kid, and it was great for the first, few, you know, little bit. But then I had my second kid, and I missed his first birthday, and that was never going to happen again. And I called Craig that, like, crying, like, Craig, he's like, what's wrong? And I said, I've got to go home. And he's like, what happened? And I said, I missed Garrett's birthday today. And he said, okay, you go on home. And I, I literally went home, and I didn't travel again for years, for years. And I didn't travel consistently till you know, it would be six years in April. But you and stayed with the Jamie studio, stayed in the studio doing the studio work, though, that's right? That's what I did. Yep, yeah, I did a lot of A&R work for my daddy. Um, so I, you know, would listen to songs for his artists. I'd, you know, go out to all the different, you know, songwriters nights or publishing companies. And I did appointments every day. You know, I did that, that music row thing. And, you know, we were doing a lot of the Chesney records. He did, you know, all those Kenny Chesney records, still does. And, uh, you know, I've sang, sang on those since Kenny started, you know. And it's, uh, I, I was doing all that stuff, and it just wasn't, my heart wasn't in it anymore. And I felt like I was cheating myself. You know, it, I'm not a beach song kind of person. You know, I'm a music person. And, and it's like I, I, just, I, I felt like I was missing things that they'd want to hear. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just had, I told daddy, like, I don't need to be doing it. He's like, you don't, do you? I'm like, no, I don't. And we made a, a bluegrass record, you know, at one point before I, before I wasn't doing, I mean, I, before I stopped working with him full time, we did a, the first bluegrass record and just did it for fun, just for a break musically. And then Skaggs heard it somewhere and, and like signed me to a record deal, like weird, you know, Ricky Skaggs of all people. Uh -huh. So it's like, those things were not really like, we weren't trying to, I, I was good. I was a mother. I mean, Daddy didn't want me traveling. You know, Kenny. Kenny tried to get me to go go with him a lot, and my dad's like, "She can't." You know, <laughs> I, oh, okay, I can't. Like, no, sorry, I didn't mean to say yes and him say no. But like, Dad wanted me to be a mom. I made my choice, and he was right. And it was the best, you know, the best guidance he could have given me as a human, because my boys have their mother and had their mother, and and despite any ups and downs that we've had through all that time, I was there. How old, never leave. how old are your boys now? How old are your boys now? 27 and 21. 27, 21. They, um, I'm, I'm 47. Whoa! I can't <laughs> believe I'm alive, but I am. <laughs> well, you're, you're the youngest one in the room. I 
I'm well, that's good. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Always be the youngest, not no more. <laughs> who, who would you say was your biggest influence as far as uh, being a uh, studio musician, learning the harmonies part? Who did you Who did you draw from? My love of harmony came from Vern. I really truly believe it. But see, I didn't know that my daddy was the harmony of Vern. You know, like that's like that was all part of the sound that I loved so much. I really didn't know that, and you know, didn't really pay attention real a lot. But I just I, I learned how important harmony was when I was 10, 11 years old from him, and and him teaching me how to move and change, and you follow each other, and it's a flow, and it's all alive. You know, it's not ever a set thing. It doesn't have to be. And so I've carried that literally with me through everything and now today I get to sing with so many different people because of those lessons Vern taught me in the early beginning time I get to go sing with them in all this you know all the like Willie Allison Krauss you know Jamie Kendall Marble all these people I get to sing with so many great artists real true artists but I probably would say no so you know that's I mean one of my things is like do you want to sing on my song I'll say does it suck yeah, well, you know, send it to me if it don't suck. I might. Yeah. So if it sucks, no, because I'm not into making shitty music. It's not my thing. I read you know, uh, one time where Waylon was talking about bass players, and he said, "A bass player, I love to hear a good bass player." He said, "But a bad one will drive you crazy." And I'm sure it's the same thing with uh, harmony. Well, I mean, you either can do it or you can't. Right. You know, like people are like, "Can you teach me?" No, no, I can't understand how you don't hear it. But no, I can't teach you, honey. You know, there's none of that. It's so, it's something you have to feel. And it's not something you can teach somebody. And it's actually, I know, people ask me, why don't you want to sing lead? I love singing lead. I've sang lead a million times. I love being someone that enhances other people and makes them feel like the best version of themselves. And I take pride in going in and singing with all these different people on all these different records. And, you know, I can literally, I, I don't know of a single place that I could go and hear someone I know sing that I'm not welcome to walk on the stage at any time without wanting. I can walk up and take a microphone from their, their, their singers and it would be cool it, it, because I, I learned them as a singer. I want to learn every little bit of it. Um, every little move, every, you know, every, the tones, the, 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 who sings the consonants, who sings the vowels. I, I dig in to who they are as a, a vocalist and I blame that all on Vern. I mean, I, I, because I know that it's important. And to me, it's it's what I'm put here to do. Vern, he was all... I, mean, he was, I believe it. Vern, he was real high-strung, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, well, you know, we could talk a lot about Vern. There's a lot of funny stories I could tell you about Vern. He just but seems so cool and laid back and just like nothing he, excites him. He was, he, was a, he was something else. I yeah. tell you, he, you know, he, he made a lot of people mad. I ain't going to lie. There was a lot of people that were mad at Vern. And, and, you know, this is one of the things that concerned me when Jamie called me to go out on the road with him, you know, six years ago was because I'd sang with him for 20, but I know that my daddy always told me the reason him and Vern never had a fallen out was because he never would work for him. Right. That daddy, the band, literally any of those guys that ever played for Vern will tell you that if daddy came walking up the sidewalk towards their bus, they'd all look around because they'd know that somebody had been fired, but they wouldn't know who it was until, because it didn't matter. He'd call daddy. If he fired a drummer, he called daddy. And there comes Daddy walking up. Johnny like, on the play spot. Drums, but like, well, we'll make it do, you know. And Dad, they said every time somebody was fired, that Buddy Cannon come walking up the sidewalk, and everybody's like, "Did I get fired? Who got fired?" <laughs> and you know, it was like, but that's kind of just the way it, it all was, you know. It sounded like it was just a good thing. I mean, they knew what they were getting whenever Buddy showed up. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they, they knew that one of their boys had got fired, but Vern was famous for firing drummers. You know, he's he's famously fired a drum machine before. Y'all, I don't know if y'all ever heard about that. Okay, go ahead and tell that. we got to hear that. You can't just leave because it there. Because he, he said it was dragging. <laughs> but that was his complaint. That's why he always fired drummers. But, but, I mean, I'm telling you, Willie has said to me, well, timing, it's everything and nothing at the same time. And I'm like, well, you know what? Because he's the epitome of oh, know, Willie Nelson. Yeah. If timing is anything... It's probably nothing because I mean he don't know. He has but no Jane respect for it, does he? Same <laughs> way on stage. So now I know what Daddy was, what they were dealing with, because Jamie never comes in at the same place. Nothing's ever the same tempo. Um, you know, nothing's ever. We have no set list on stage, so it's all it's all feel. And if you're not in that moment with him, then you're going to get left behind somewhere. You know, keeps you on it your keeps toes. Everybody on their toes exactly. on the stage for sure. And that's what Daddy and them were living through. But Burn would fire everybody. <laughs> you know, he fired somebody in a heartbeat, but he fired the drum machine. Yeah, he stopped taking a drummer, took a drum machine, and he said it was dragging. <laughs> Time to go. Time to yep. get rid of him. He's out. Folks, we're sitting here picking the brain of Miss Melanie Cannon, telling us some great stories here on The Crossing. Myself, Cole Mountain Cal, along with Chris Cheeto Cheatham and producer, the good doctor, Steve Thomason, sitting in there turning dials and making smiles. We're just having us a big old time, but we're going to take a quick break. Catch a word from our sponsors. Steve, I want you to see if you can find, I want to pull up uh, Craig Morgan. Yep. When a man can't get a woman off his mind. It's one of my favorite songs. I didn't even know till today that uh, Miss Melanie is singing harmony on this uh, studio cut. I've heard her with Jamie do it, but I didn't know she did it with him until I did some research today. So we'll go out with that. Let y'all enjoy that. And we'll be right back after word from our sponsors. I've been fighting with these sheets again Can't make myself lie still My pillowcase is soaking wet And yet I feel a chill It takes all I can do these days To just survive the nights it gets crazy when a man can't get a woman off his mind. When a man can't shake a memory, he runs hot and cold and blind. He hates her, then he loves her, then he hates her one more. Your love has such a grip on me It shows me like a vine Oh, it's crazy When a man can't get a woman off his mind Yeah, it drives him crazy When a man can't get a woman off his mind Hey, your favorite new song that recently hit the airwaves is now on the shelves, baby. So that means a trip to your favorite record store, Jack's Record Shack in Lanier Village. 
At Jack's, you'll find all your favorite records and eight tracks. Now that's groovy. Bad sound on that turntable? Maybe it's time for a new needle or stylus. Go to Jack's Record Shack, baby. That's the place to go. So let us help you be like producer Steve and put the needle to the wax and head down to Jack's. That's Jack's Record Shack in Lanier Village. Oh! I can smell those great steaks now. Yep, that's Western Steer. The hallmark of the Steer is a great food at a great value. The Steer earned their reputation as America's Steakhouse for a reason. They serve great steaks. From choice age sirloin to that tasty ribeye, every cut is hand-carved and grilled to perfection. And at $5.99 to $14.99, nobody can beat that price. And don't forget that great salad and dessert bar. That's the Western Steer, located off Ball Ridge Marina Road on Georgia 400. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it, at least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports League. Go ahead. Like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports League. Thank you for calling Village Cinema. Showing this week is Smokey and the Bandit, starring Mark Reynolds. Showtimes are 7 to 9 p.m. And Sundays, 3, 5, 7, and 9. Village Cinema, next to Gigi's and Lanier Village Shopping Center. 887-8855 for movies and showtimes. Thank you. I said, Grandpa wants this picture here. It's all black and white. And it ain't real clear as that you there. He said, yeah, I was a loving. And times were tough back in 35. That's me and Uncle Joe just trying to survive a cotton farm. And a Great Depression. If it looks like we were scared to death Like a couple of kids just trying to save each other You should have seen it in color Oh, and this one here was taken overseas In the middle of hell in 1943 In the wintertime Almost see my breath. That was my tail gunner, old Johnny McGee. He was a high school teacher from New Orleans, and he had my back right through the day we left. If it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other. Should have seen it in color A picture's worth a thousand words But you can't see what those shades of gray keep covered You should have seen it in color Oh, we're back, Cal Jamie Johnson, son <laughs> In color <laughs> 
All right, so we've uh, we're sitting there and we're, we we've been talking um, about your, your your early career and 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 being on the road, not being on the road, starting a family, Melanie, and now here we are, 2020, and oh. how the music industry, of course, has just been uh, shaken. Now, my thought yeah. is, is this, I've been real positive about this whole deal that we're going to have some amazing music come out. In you the, know, I've, I've, I've got two sides of that because there's some kids going home right now that'll never come back. And that's sad to me. You know, some people that have come here in a bad time and, and, and have not been able to stay because they can't make it. Yeah. Can't because people just work, can't... can't get a job. Can't even wait tables here. Oh man. You know? So they can't even, can't, there's nothing. There's nothing here right now. Nashville is dead. Nashville's a dead town. And and after this past weekend, Christmas Day, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what kind of message the Lord's trying to send to us as a group, but he's trying to tell us something, and it's important, and we need to be listening because there's something for us to do. We're supposed to come back stronger, better. We're supposed to rise above all this. And I think as Nashville as a town, we're famous for, for pulling it together. You know, Tennessee is a volunteer state, and I, I always say that has nothing to do with football or orange. Right. That's because it's who we are. You know, we'll be all right. Well, uh, as they said on Smoking a Bandit, that was an attention getter from the Lord right there. <laughs> yeah. he's well, he know. got it. He got my. He's had mine for a long time. Twelve, twelve years now. He's had mine because boy, he about he about took me home for there for a minute because of not not being a healthy healed person and you know about about let drugs do me in you know and 12 years ago i stopped that stuff thank god you know just literally thank god he saved my life because i didn't do it i don't know why i'm still here but i do know that i am and i'm not gonna let myself down anymore and i'm sure not gonna let god down i'm tired of not showing up you know and i've spent the last 12 years of my life just every day waking up trying to be better and and trying to be kinder to people especially ones I don't like very much. You know, those are the ones I try to be kinder to, the kindest to. But, I mean, I just feel like right now in this world, I have no time for negativity. If you're going to come around, bring a negative step, I don't want it around. You know, like we've got, like even on the road, our vibe on the road is so easy and good. It's not, there's not parties and hellions and women and wild. There's none of, I mean, we're family. Our kids go, Yeah. you know. I mean, it's. I have road kids that literally I have raised. And some of them were born. This Jamie Johnson gig, how did all how did it all come about? Because you said well, you weren't going to go out. Well, the first time I met Jamie was <laughs> twenty years ago. I, I I said it was nineteen. He says twenty, and he has a mind like an elephant. He don't forget nothing. So I believe him. <laughs> I've, I've killed probably more brain cells than him through the years. But um, he said twenty years, and we sang. We would we get hired at a studio called County Q here in town. That's still here barely but it's still here that um i would get hired for the female and he'd get hired for the male part and we'd either do like you know like alternating versions or duets or sing harmony for each other and that's how we met and you know he was just immediately just like i i knew him you know like we were people immediately you know he was fresh out of the marines you know just got married just came to town great good old country boy we just hit it off you know we were friends party like maniacs together you know both of us got married together. We got had our first kids at the same around the same time. We had you know divorces around the same time. You know, like we've been up and down every road together. And I I never you know Jamie's been sober from alcohol now for ten years, and we had a really dark time. And not that I was ever we weren't ever 
ever not friends. And there was never one single day of his life knowing me or mine knowing him that I couldn't depend on him and vice versa. And we sat together in some really dark moments together in his dark ones and then in mine too. And, 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 and getting to come to this side of it and getting to do such cool stuff together, it has been like, like one of the highlights of my whole life. It being able to have this full circle moment of not only finally figuring out what I wanted so bad when I was five years old, standing outside that bus crying to go with my dad and not knowing where he was headed to now I'm pulling up to the same venues. My daddy played yeah. with Jamie, who is an important artist and will always be one of the great voices ever of country music. He truly is. He's- and I mean, it's just, it's surreal to me that my daddy was around people like Vern and then I'm, here you know 20 years later with jamie it's just the most surreal thing ever you know i think he's an upholder of the traditional values of country music and the old school ways and songs and i think he, yep. you ask he's got a lot of respect for him they all say he's their he's their guy he's our generation's guy and he has been our guy since he started singing songs in this town and it's you know it's a, a, because he didn't do the game and the mainstream he doesn't yeah. get the the level of credit that he deserves but we know the people that matter the industry mm-hmm. we know we know so, so there you are out there in this uh, traveling caravan one girl pretty much <laughs> and yep. how many how many how many is in your traveling party usually there's 20 of us 20 yeah give or take one or two every once in a while and then add a kid bus every now and then we'll have six or seven eight kids on a bus every now and then too so yeah but usually there's there's 20 of us that roll 12 on stage yeah he's got the horn section going on now i see such a great story there a quick quick story there mark avant is our lead the trumpet player the lead horn guy in our band um when jamie decided i was already out with him when he decided he wanted to bring horns and i i said why we don't have room what are you going to do with them like what do we what do you mean and he's like, no, I'm telling you, it'll be so cool. And I'm like, whatever, cool. You can't tell him not to do it because then he'll do it twice. Right. So, you know, and within a couple of months of me being out there, he hired, it was, y'all, the, probably the reason Jamie Johnson is still musical today is the trumpet player in our band today. Mart Avant was his instructor when he was 13. And Jamie was from a broken home, living a really rough life. They had no money. And literally, he was stealing food from farmers. He'd go work for farmers and steal food to eat. Hmm. That kind of stuff, you know. And and Mart saw him and heard him play. He was playing horns at the time. And he, he heard him play, and Mart was like, that kid, is he's got talent. And he went out into our, the community and raised the money to put Jamie in his drum corps that he ran, that traveled which is an excel like an excelled version of a band. You know, drum corps is like the best of the best of the best. And he paid, raised money and, and put Jamie into his drum corps. And that's why Jamie said, I'm calling, my, you know, I know who to call. I'm good. Well, we, I got it. Let me call him. And literally, Mark, the guy that kept music in Jamie's life at probably the most important time he could have ever done it for him, giving him some hope. Yeah. You know, a, a broken little old boy needing some hope. And he gave it to him. And now he's getting to pay it back and giving Mark this really cool, fun moment in his life, you know. So did I see, I think I seen on an interview you did uh, somewhere, uh, he had you on your own bus or you traveled a little bit. He didn't have you mixed in with all the guys. He's taking care of you like a big brother, wasn't he? Oh, gosh. He's, uh, they're, they're all, I have, now I have 
brothers I never wanted, first of all. I never asked for brothers, and now I've got 20 <laughs> on my back at all times. Like, I can't do anything without one of them babysitting me, you know. Yeah. But then I'm also their boss. I'll boss them all around and tell them all what to do, and they're all scared of me a little bit. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, when I first went out, though, he, he called me one night. And uh, I was still married at the time. I've been divorced a couple of years now, but I'm um, one of my best friends on the planet still. But um, I, uh, I was still married then. And he called me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'll just packing some stuff, moving. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, I guess you're kind of busy. And I'm like, no, why? What's up? And he said, well, you want to go do some shows? And I said, where? And I said, sure. And he said, there's like nine in 10 days or something like that. And I said, okay. And he's famous for silence. His silence is like, the, he. I think they may have... Like many, many moons ago before he was born, coined this again about him. But silence is golden with him, for sure. Because he said, I, he said, you want to go? And I said, yeah. And then nothing. <laughs> he said, well, are you not going to ask where? I said, no. He said, okay, see you tomorrow at midnight. I said, all right. <laughs> and literally, that was, it'll be six years in uh, April. And I still hadn't come back. Well, I've been home this year, but not by choice. Still crying I mean, to get on like, the bus. You are really, you really are outlaw, aren't you? I, like, yes, I, am. I have not gone back home yet, have I? I well, mean, like, let's go. But well, literally, he, he asked me to go do some shows because Merle Haggard had called him and said he wasn't well and that he needed somebody to help him fill in some shows in April for, for or fill in the shows that he had booked with Willie already. And the day we left was the day Haggard died. It was Haggard's birthday. Our first show was the day he died. Wow. And I'm telling y'all what, like, if that wasn't like a, a historical moment to be on Willie's tour, with the Willie Haggard tour, filling in for Haggard because he, he, he was gone. And it turned, it went from being us filling in to being this memorial thing. And I got... I mean, and I, I I don't doubt these will be in the Country Music Hall of Fame someday, but I have all these handwritten things because Jamie's famous for not having a set list. We still don't today. But those ten show, those nine shows in those ten days, in the beginning, he just wanted to make sure we didn't sing the same songs over and over. He wanted to sing different ones every night. And so what we did, we were like, okay, well, let's, let's, call, let's call our friends because everybody wants to honor Merle. Everybody. So the first couple shows, we called Chris Stapleton and his wife, Morgan. And like, hey, y'all, you want to come honor Merle with us? They're like, yeah, we're on the way. We're loading the bus. Literally, we'd roll out. They come met, met us and did a couple shows. And then we called Leanne Womack. She came out and did the same thing. And y'all, the Leanne Womack's pretty great because the first, she was coming for one show, and she had driven her personal car up. And during our show, um, well, after our show, Jamie said, so I'll see you tomorrow. And she's like, no, I'm on, I'm going on back to Nashville. And he said, no, you're not. You're going with us. And she said, no, I'm not. And he said, yeah, you are, because you don't have a car. She said, Jamie, I drove here. He said, it's in my truck. He had <laughs> brought a wrecker, y'all, during our show. He had our guys call a wrecker and loaded her car onto our semi. <laughs> so she was like, well, it looks like I'm going with you tonight. But yes, I had my own bus at that moment because jamie flies now all the time so he flies gig to gig and we were like he, that the third bus there was two band buses and then his bus and i was on it so it was me and a driver unless i invited somebody to go like have like a weekend out to have fun yeah. it was just me until showtime and which was cool because kraus alton kraus was out there was with us a whole lot so we all would spend a lot of time traveling and rolling and you know those moments I'll, i cherish deeply deeply but 
I didn't love it. And one night the bus broke down, the one that I was on, the lease bus. He owns one, the one the band one name band bus he owns. There are two lease buses, and the one lease bus, the artist bus that I was on, that was his. It it wasn't doing right, so he's like, "Fly with me," and I'm like, "I don't want to fly. I don't I don't like to fly." And I said, "I'll ride the band bus." He's like, "No, no, no, you don't need to ride." I was like, "Jamie." I've ridden that bus a million times. He said, I'm not on it anymore. <laughs> and I said, but I'm a grown-up. And he just, he looked at me and shook his head like, oh, great. He said, get your stuff. And literally, he carried my suitcase over and took it up. We have two buses out there. Those two other two buses, I nicknamed, after I got out there, the sin wagon and the church bus. <laughs> so, of course, I was going to the sin wagon. I ain't going to the church bus. So, he walks up on the gladiator. And he has my suitcase, and he sits it down in the middle of the front lounge, and, you know, three or four or five of them boys are sitting up there, and he said, y'all, watch out for her. And they're like, no, man, we got her. He's like, no, no. I mean, y'all better watch the F out for her, because she will cut you. Like, she'll get you. Don't, don't he was warning her. them. I'm telling you, like, she's good. She don't need you to have her back. She's got yours. You know, like, I'm telling y'all, watch out. Well, before <laughs> all this before all this craziness happened with 2020, when was y'all's last gig? Um, well, we've played a couple since the COVID stuff has taken over our really? world. But, um, you know, we had a, I think we've had four since March. And our last, our last shows were, we were out. We had just left for tour. It was the first week of Chris Stapleton and Chris Stapleton's tour mm-hmm. of the year. And um, it was a big deal for them. You know, they had a gazillion trucks. They had a hundred employees, I think, or something nuts. And it was, uh, it was us. You know, us and them, and and we were out in Texas, and we had, I think, four or five shows that week. Maybe, I think, five in seven days or something, and Willie was on part of them. Like, half of them were Willie shows, Willie, Chris, and us, and then the other one, we were just opening for Willie, or opening for Stapleton, and which we've been friends since for 20 years, too. I've known him since he moved to town, too, him and Morgan both, but um, they, uh, we were out, were out there doing it, and we were in Houston, or no, sorry, we were in Galveston the day the Houston Rodeo closed, and they shut it down. And we were all looking at each other like, what in the world's happening right now? Mm-hmm. We're in Texas. Like, they don't do that. And we thought, if we get this show off tonight, it'll be a miracle. And we did. We did. There were, seven, I think, 15,000, 17,000 people. And we did it. And afterwards, we came back to the buses, and they said, y'all were rolling home. That's it. That's they it. pulled the plug. Shut it down. So Everybody's what's the what's the word out there? Do you have any kind of a vibe as to as to just the, the, the it depends two. on who you talk to, you know. It depends on what side of the political fence you stand on. Yeah. Or yeah. if you if you are, look at it in that way. See, I don't. It's my livelihood. Right. It's my life. It's it's what I am and who I am. I don't I don't know. I mean, I've only done this my whole life. And yes, I've worked I've waited tables. I've taken care of children. I've done every job there could ever be and I could go get another one today. But I know what I'm supposed to be doing is going out and making a difference to people making music. And, I mean, we save people every night. Yeah. You know, people that there's, – there's a lot of people that, that need the music as much as we do. And, and we've always, as a country, as a society, we've been able to turn to the music in these moments. And, and for it to be gone, like, you know, I know that we've had moments, dark moments in music. You know, the day the music died, there's a song, or a song written about that day. Mm-hmm. And there are real true moments that are dark, but we've never had the music stop. And seen the music a, has stopped. Seen a guy the other day said, if you don't think music music is not important, turn it off. Yeah. Then find oh, out. Boy. Yeah. Now, yeah now I, I know knows. now. I know now what it means to me. 
and 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 I've always I've always you know being out here these last six years with Jamie because he called me that day literally and I said yes and didn't ask where we were going I met him the next night and figured it all out didn't matter I, I trust him with my life and so I'm like yeah I'm in and I've been rolling with him since and and it's it's been the best thing I've ever done for myself you know I I didn't get to do it when I when I should have been able to do it when I was young because I was making different choices for myself. But now I have two grown children who are beautiful, grown, loving, kind men, and I get to go live my dream now. Awesome. So well I get both, be, really the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, do you foresee, I mean, is there, do, you, do you think that, I mean, in, let's say, in Nashville and what you've been exposed to, I mean, is there a lot of studio work going on right now? Is there a lot of songwriting I've going done, on right now? Done, you know, the songwriters are writing some, and, and they're all, everybody's trying to be really careful to take care of each other. Right. And, and look out for, you know, the willies and the daddies and, you know, the people that, you know, we need to be careful of and the, and the people that are my age that we don't know who is going to hit the wrong way. Right. You know, Steve Henson is a steel player. We just about lost him, you know, just this past month. And he sent me a message a little while ago because today I got diagnosed today with COVID. You know, 28th of December, 2020. Way to go, 2020. You're a killer. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> nope. But, you know, it's like here I am today. And then that guy who lived through it and almost didn't in ICU on a respirator and one of the greatest musicians to ever come through this town. The best cowboy, ask Cowboy Long, Eddie Long. He'll tell you in a heartbeat that Eddie Long, or Cowboy that plays with Jamie, yep. and has. Yep. He's played with Jamie for 12 years and played for 14, I think, for Hank Jr. before that. So speaking of miracle being alive, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sure is. But yeah. he's also been sober from alcohol for many years. But um, he, uh, you know, it's like Steve Henson, he, it about took him. You know, John Prine, y'all. Like, I mean, it. It, 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 John's a sick person and, and, and there were medical things that you know but they still don't know where they got it you know we gotta just take care of each other this is all nuts we got to everybody needs to go get a vaccine or not get a vaccine you know stay home or don't but take care of each other don't be jerks right. you know stay positive and test negative that's what I tell yeah, everybody well yeah until Stay-tune. now I'm till now. positive and be positive at hey, the same time until then we're gonna wrap up with a couple quick questions here uh, right. just whatever comes to your mind first and I'll be first Favorite venue to play? Station Inn and the Ryman. Station Inn. All right. I'm well, a bluegrass uh, now. My, my solo steps all bluegrass, but the Ryman is my heart. They're my favorite single spot on the planet is the Ryman stage. One of the questions I always ask, which I think I got the answer already, is do you ever meet your heroes? You know, they say never meet your heroes, but it sounds to me like you've just been submerged in heroes, and they've all relatively been pretty good. Well, I always like to tell people, like, somebody will say, well, is so-and-so nice? Does he hang out with me? <laughs> probably probably not the best fella ever. You know, but, I mean, I don't have to say it. I just don't, I don't hang out with people that aren't cool. Yeah. yeah. Somebody you want to record with that you haven't yet? Oh, gosh, I would have said Allison Krauss, but I got to do that this last couple of years. So, um, who I haven't recorded with yet? Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But, I mean, you know. I mean, if I'm going to hang out with somebody fun, it'd be him. I'd like to sing with Jason Isbell, probably. That's oh. a new artist. Hey, a little uh, uh, inside information. Me and Chris opened up for him one time before he hit it. Big. Oh, Just, dude, I'm telling you, his Southeastern record, like, is one of my all-time favorite records. One of my top, probably my top ten. Yeah. 
We followed uh, we followed Jason through his uh, drive by truckers years. That's where we got into. See, I didn't. I did not. Yeah, we. I did not. We um we followed them all the way out to uh, Fort Worth. We went out there to the Red Dirt Roundup. Cal and I did, and and uh, we were <laughs> we were maybe one of twenty people who were standing in front of this huge stage. Um, yeah. Everybody was at the other side watching. Who was it that was? playing on the other side and they never would shut up no. oh it was kevin uh was it was it kevin fowler kevin fowler yes so kevin fowler he's on the other side of the stage he's one of those one of those deals uh west texas it's just they got their whole other breed and they sure do and and um i mean it you yeah what we found out there in texas is this it's all about screw nashville i mean they, they yeah. just oh gosh yeah like i'm the anti you know yeah, but of course the funny thing is, I get to sing with all of them now. They're all like, "Oh, that was kind of cool." <laughs> yeah, they weren't having a good day that. But day. we did. We we followed. We went all the way out there to uh, to Fort Worth to see the drive by truckers, and we're just singing every every word of every song. Yeah. These people from Texas are coming up to us like, "Have you heard of these people?" And we're like, "You don't know the drive by truckers." Like, know, what do you mean? Them? And so, um, but yeah, we end up uh, opening up for uh, Jason at a little gig. Um, Actually, in Dahlonega, um, same, dive, dive same Dahlonega. Dahlonega, yeah, the same. I mean, yeah. Lord God, speaking of dive bar, Ashley McBride, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We mm. we know the dive bar that she's referring to. Uh, I bet in, you in do. I want to go. I want to yeah, go. We really do. I'm sure now that I mean, it's, we're all at BFFs now. Me and Chris are we're listed now, and we got the we'll get the pass in the mail. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, I mean, Jamie Johnson shows I'm coming in, up. I'm in like, well, I got to get over COVID. If I don't die from COVID, then I'll be there. I told Chris tonight, I said, you know, we, we, our little band, we want you to come play with us one night and sing with us. Dude, I, I would love it. Yeah. I swear, I just, I just want to make music right now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, listen. I, I, just, I mean, we need to be doing it for our, our souls, but everybody needs it right now. That's exactly right. The world right. needs that healing. That's right. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah. You're a sweetheart. Thank, thank you so much. Y'all, thank you for continuing to put, you know, the the artists and the, and the important music and all that, the cool stuff, the outlaw stuff. Tell some of them outlaws up there about us. Say, these, these dudes are pretty cool. Y'all need to come on their show. Yeah, come hang out with them. Come hang out. They won't yeah. let you say the F word, but otherwise. <laughs> they, they won't let you cuss like Snoop Dogg would. Yeah. I mean, you know. Steve said he's got the bleeper. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I heard y'all were practicing it earlier. Before yeah. You me. So, uh, <laughs> all right. You, we'll let you pick the song we're going to go out with. What do you want to hear? Some um, of your stuff. Some of your favorites. I promise. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know what I sent y'all now. Oh, is that, did you send us that Vern Gosden tribute stuff? Oh, I did. I sent it to the email. I sent four songs to that email. Sure enough. All right. Oh, well, we're nice. going to go out with one that of them. That way y'all can just throw whatever you want on there. We may play all four of them for us, though, with. Yeah, Folks. Go for it. Y'all have two shows. All, one of them will just be songs. Yeah. Nothing else. Folks, thank y'all so much for tuning in for our final episode of 2020, Chris. We'll be back well, again next over, year. Y'all. How about y'all? Next Amen. season. Bye, 2020. Peace out. We right. might, I think we've ended with the best show yet. That's Thank right. you so much. Thank Mel. you, Melanie it's Cannon. Ball, y'all. It's been fun. Y'all look her up, and we'll. I'm sure she'll see y'all out but there on the road. Come, don't like come like look me up though. That'd be weird. Well, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't, don't on the worldwide internet. Nothing. See where she's going to be playing at. <laughs> Go see her. My brothers are so mean. Y'all have no idea. <laughs> All right, brother Steve, put some needle wax, and let's take us out with a little Vern Gosling tribute. Your office called to say you wouldn't belong Well, since when did your boss get a jukebox of his own? 
When I called to see how long you'd be They said you'd been long gone You're headed right in the wrong direction Honey, if you want to come home You're leaving clues that any old fool could see Well, honey, you're the fool if you think you're fooling me If you want to go, just let me know We can sure enough get it on Headed right in the wrong direction, honey, if you want to come home. Well, if you want to keep your home, you better straighten up your rack. Cause, honey, I can love you, I can even help you pack. And if you turn around and come home, man, I just might not be gone. You're headed right in the wrong direction, honey, if you want to come home. Music Meets Memories is recorded at Due South Productions, high atop the Northeast Tower of Pete's Castle in South Coal Mountain, Georgia, and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason, hosted by Coal Mountain Cal Hurd and Chris Cheatham. Theme music, written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Music and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions, or at least a text message from Coal Mountain Cal's Razor Phone. That'll work too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time right here on The Crossing. <laughs>